How are you? Great. And yourself there? I'm good. Aside from the doorbell ringing, all is good here. And I really appreciate you taking the time and being right on time and all that. So I was thinking about your career but while I was researching for this interview. And you're still young, yet you're almost year-wise at the halfway point of your life of being in and around entertainment at a high level. Do you ever think about that, that you're like, you've got 17 years of being on television? I, it's weird because it gets away from you. You don't realize that, oh, that's 17 years. Um, I appreciate you calling me young. In this business, I am ancient, uh, <laughs> which as a female, which uh, I don't feel age, ancient and it shouldn't be um, right. ancient. Um, it's constantly changing and it's so exciting to see all the new opportunities for women my age and above. Um, but no, I... It's weird. I have to like remind myself of that. Yes. Now, if we wanted to pigeonhole you, we can say, oh, she's a wrestler. If we want to pigeonhole you further, say, well, no, she's a wrestling manager. No, she's a mother, et cetera. But going through all your credits, you had an EP about a decade ago. We've seen you modeling. We've seen you acting. I assume you have enough acting credits to have a SAG card. I do not. Oh. No, um, I, I could, but I haven't gone that route. Well, the bottom line is there's all that, plus you went back to school, got your degree, and you found success with planning events and managing events. So it really becomes hard to say, this is Maria, she does blank. So if you're ever in this bad small talk kind of thing, like you're in an airport and you're waiting and someone strikes up a conversation, when they say, what do you do? What do you say? I'm a manager. Um, because... Through all of it, the common thread is that I've been managing my career. So um, I guess you could call that an entrepreneur, but that gets thrown around a little too much sometimes. Um, but I manage. I, I manage my career. I manage my two crazy children, sometimes three, depending on how my husband is that day. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a manager. And that uh, list of credits is without mentioning the podcasts you've had a few over the years you had one with mike yeah. which was great i remember when we used to do after buzz tv mm -hmm. recaps and all that so you've got this very very active career and you're now part of ring of honor again we should say you're basically the face of women of honor do i have that correct or that's we're um, strictly staying with um women's division um we've kind of dropped the other acronym um, the title moving forward will be the women's championship. So I think it's a little bit uh, cleaner to explain it that way. Um, I, I'm on the board of directors. Um, oh. And so because I'm on the board of directors, uh, I have this great role of uh, being a talent representative in a way. Um, I like to say I'm mama bear with as far as the women are concerned. Um, because that, that's more all encompassing for what I do. Um, and I love it. It's so much fun. It's such like to see, 
um, to watch these women's careers blossom over the years and now to be involved with that process is so fun. It's, it's amazing. That harkens back to what you were saying a couple of minutes ago about being a manager. Everything you do is management oriented. And if I can project a little bit, it seems like a lot of the success you always hustled, but you didn't quite say, this is the job I want. It's just more like people saw you working hard and went, hey, have you ever thought about this? And you kind of went, I'll try it. I've never done that before. And that leading to the next gig. Am I way off base with that? Um, I worked really hard to um, get into WWE, but and I said that I wanted to be an interviewer, but it wasn't necessarily the only thing that I was like willing to do. So um, I'm always open to options of things, but this role that I have now is the one that I want. Um, for the first time in my career, um, other than event management, which is a total, I, I always put that like on the side, um, in wrestling, this is the first job that this is what I fought for. And, um, it's exactly where I want to be. So, um, I'm really happy with that, but other things like wrestling, that wasn't what I was trying to do. When I got into WWE, I was a actress and model. And um, I really liked uh, Jonathan Coachman's and The Rock's interactions. And the reason why I got put into the finals of the Diva Search was because I called Jonathan Coachman a popcorn fart. <laughs> so, like, I I love the role as interviewer. Yeah. But I didn't really know where I would land um, when it came to that. Um, I love managing uh, when it comes to managing my husband and. But again, it's like you said, where I I was just open to options. Um, but now I definitely have a role that I fought for. It's a lot of saying yes, though, and trying new things and re- reinventing yourself and then also learning, hey, I don't want to do that again. Yeah, it's a lot of saying yes from the outsider's perspective. It's a lot of saying no in my head. That is not what I want. That is not the type of career I want. I do not want you. I don't care what that will do for my career. It's a lot of that along the way, which um, it will never be on camera. And it's never like the the thing that it's not the most important thing um, as far as the fans are concerned. But for me, that is the most important thing. All the no's are what got me here today. and. Yeah. I mean, I never, um, I never liked how closed off, um, women in wrestling were when I started, it was like, we had this very tiny little niche and I was like, why I don't, I want bigger. I want more. So, um, in order to do that, um, it was a lot of saying no along the way. No, I will not do that. No, I will not be whatever. It was a lot of no's. Wow. Well, Ring of Honor, I'm so glad to hear that this is what you wanted to do. This is where you wanted to be. How long did you have to keep it under wraps that you were going there? And I ask that because some people in the wrestling business, they leak where they're going. They fuel the rumors. And then other people can keep a a good secret. I'm assuming 17 years in, you can keep a good secret when you need to. Yes, when I need to and when it fits my agenda. Um, so like, uh, we started talking back in August of last year. 
Um, at first, of course, there's the 90 day clause with WWE and then there's a pandemic. And so at one point I was like, all right, well, Mike's going to go on the road and never come home because he's not bringing home the plague to my house, basically. So there was that conversation because we didn't know what it was. Nobody knew what COVID was a year ago or whatever. We were all very confused. So at one point the conversation was, you know what, I'll just stay at home and you go work. And I'm sorry, our marriage now is basically you sending money home. Like, um, these were all conversations we had. Uh, but then August hit, um, and we were outside of our 90 days and the world started to think about having a, a vaccine or what comes next. So uh, I talked with Ring of Honor and they, it's crazy. They knew exactly where I wanted to go. Um, and their vision was ex- like, we were in sync um, with what, not the band, um, <laughs> what we wanted to do. No one will get that reference except for people around my age, which is so funny. Who doesn't know who NSYNC is? Oh, come on. There are people. Anyways, um, so they knew exactly um, they knew exactly what they wanted me to do. And, I, and right. that's what I wanted to do, too. So about August of last year is when we kind of knew this. Of course, there was conversations here and conversations there with other places and all great conversations. I have lovely things to say about everybody, but um, it just worked the best with Ring of Honor. I'd have to imagine at this point in your career, any company, you can go into any locker room and you know at least 30% of the people there because there's been such changeover in the business. Yeah, except for the indies. I went to some indie shows down in WrestleMania and I went, who who are these people? Like, I know nobody. Um, all great. Like, everybody's lovely. And, uh, but no, didn't, I knew basically no one except for the girls that I was scouting. So, um, and the reason why, like, I went was to meet more people. And when you signed with Ring of Honor, was Mike in the discussion the whole time, or are they just two separate deals that managed to pop up around two the same separate time? Separate deals. Um, Mike actually started before I did. So he, when did he, did he debut in November? I think he de- debuted in November. And then I, I didn't start working with them until December. And then I debuted in January. But we hadn't really signed a full time deal with them yet. Um, that's just recent. It's been interesting over the years to watch the evolution of Mike because going to Ring of Honor shows in the early 2010s in New York, they were just heckling mercilessly about being from Boston. I think that's the only thing they had about Mike. Yet I don't think that factors into who he is as a wrestler or who he has been for like eight years now. No, except for his training. I mean, they had such good training um, when he was coming up. There were so many different schools. So like... Uh, that is probably the biggest part of his wrestling is who he was trained by, but not Boston uh, centralized into his career. Right. Well, bring it back to you because, hey, you are the person of the hour here. Uh, (laughs) It's wonderful that you have this job with ROH where you're actually on the board and you're on camera and you're on the social media. It sounds wonderful. And as I mentioned before, you've done the singing thing, (laughs) you've done the modeling thing, you've done the acting thing. Do you still want to focus on those facets of your career? Or is it just about motherhood and ring of honor? And that's it. Um, So I never close myself off to opportunities. Singing just really isn't my thing. I love to write. Um, 
So I realized that after putting out the album, loved producing it, everything, but then realized I didn't want to perform it in front of crowds. It made me very anxious. So I, I took that thing, that part off the table. Um, modeling, I have an agency in Chicago that I work with. It's the Rock um, Talent Agency um, and the Rock Modeling Agency. So I still do that. Um, and I will continue to do that when the opportunities arise. And I will try and uh, integrate that with wrestling and get a little bit of crossover, get more eyeballs on wrestling. Um, uh, being a mother and owning my um, wedding planning business, that's just a part of who I am. So, well, you know, it's, it's crazy. And I just keep gathering things along the way. Ah, here's a husband and some kids and this, and all right, here we go. Yeah. You know, you just like an octopus um, and uh, not Gresham, but <laughs> that. Yeah. I get I that reference. T-shirt. I, I used to have a t-shirt with an octopus on it and it says I have my hands and everything. And that's, I can't help myself. I get bored too easy. So it doesn't sound like you're one of those people that's ever sitting around going, you know what I haven't done yet? Or, you know what I wish I did differently because there's so much in front of you that you're too busy to, to be wondering about regrets. No, I don't. I don't believe in regret. Um, I mean, at least in my own life, yeah, I, no judgment on anybody else's life. In my own life, I don't believe in regrets because everything led me here. If I wouldn't have gotten fired, I wouldn't be here. If I didn't have my two babies, they wouldn't be smiling at me, looking at me with like uh, Oreos in their mouths and making me the happiest I've ever been. Um, if I didn't have my run in impact, I wouldn't have had great relationships and great stories with people like Madison and Gail and Mia and, and Chelsea and, you know, so... I can't, I can't regret because that means I want to be here and I like where I am. That is so wonderful to hear. And just three quick questions and then you're free and you can be back to the maternal happiness that you have. And the first <laughs> okay, one- I have time right now. I'm, I'm off duty at the moment. Cool, cool to hear that much. Well, we know all about your work life. We know about you as a mother, but what are you watching on TV these days? Um, I was watching Rain. Um, and now I'm watching Medici. Wow. Okay. That is some cultured taste right there. Yeah. I, so I, I love, um, Royals. I don't know why. Um, but I just, I love like figuring out, okay, why is it that things are the way they are now? And like, then you go back in history and you find where those references came from. You know, why is it called a French kiss? Why, you know, like along the way, why is it that there was such great fabrics and fashion in France or why um, does such great food come out of Italy or, and there's reasons that are much bigger than a French fry, you know? So like, um, yeah, I, I like going back and figuring out why things have turned out the, the way they have. Wow. Freedom fries and all. Okay. <laughs> the next thing that you referenced in sync before and three times already, I've referenced the music you record, which is, I'm sure is more than you've spoken about it in, in five years that no one's bring, bringing it up because it's old school. But what music do you listen to? Because I'm sure there's what you listen to when you're training. 
And then there's what you're listening to when the kids are in the car. And then there's what you want to listen to. What's the last one? So I listened to a lot of Chris Stapleton and Pink. Um, and then they sang together on a song and I was in musical heaven. Um, I love those two artists. I love that Chris Stapleton started as a writer yeah. and he thought he would never perform. And then all of a sudden everyone realized, oh, this voice, this personality and persona on stage. And yes, this is what I want because this is reality. And, um, and I love that he loves his wife and they yes. sing together at award shows and they have beautiful babies. And she is like this kick-ass woman that uh, has all these kids, but has this tremendous career. Um, I listen to music for inspiration. So sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's Eminem still singing like a badass when he could be a grandpa. That's cool too. Um, yeah, I mean... It's it's a little bit of both. It's um, it's the mix of things for me. It sounds like your vision board has. Do you have a vision board? Uh, I do not. I have a lot of Pinterest. Oh, okay. A so digital similar, yes, but not an actual like. Because you know what would happen if I had one of those? My daughter would come up and start scribbling just all over it. And somehow Vampirina would end up there. Uh, lots of stickers, but yeah, no, I have lots of Pinterest and even every character I've ever had. I have, um, I used to have like a vision board back old school, um, for what I would wear in those particular roles. What is that character, uh, wear when they go to get Starbucks? Wow. Okay. It sounds like the old adage of Maria has the best mind for the business. That was true. If, if you had vision boards about that. So every, every person has a way that they get into character or into, <laughs> you know, even if you're a CEO of a company, you listen to something or you do something that before you walk through that door and become CEO, there is something that is under there. And, um, now I get to take that and help others find that, which is, is great, you know, because um, finding that out and, and how, they, how they dress as that person or how, what they listen to, yeah, that, that makes the depth of a women's division even stronger. Awesome. Well, my closing question, this can include as much self-promotion and links to social media accounts as you want is... Maria, any last words for the kids? Yes. Watch Women's Division Wednesday on YouTube. Um, Ring of Honor has always been a place of uh, having that up and coming feel to it. Um, a little bit of underdog, a lot of bit of sportsmanship and athleticism. And that's what you'll find um, on women's division Wednesday. And then later this year, of course, we're going to have the women's tournament for the championship and uh, leading up to that, you will hear all kinds of fun names that are going to be in the tournament. I wish I could talk about them now, but I cannot, um, you will have to wait till women's division Wednesday each week. And we will be announcing, um, those women on the show. So uh, next week's episode is really exciting. The match is incredible. Um, little bit of veteran, little bit of newcomer, um, both people you know. So 
it'll be a really good episode. And of course, watch Ring of Honor television um, on the Sinclair Broadcasting System, Fight TV, Honor Club, YouTube, etc. Week by week, all this stuff. Um, they should it should just all fly on the screen. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm on uh, Instagram at Maria Canellis and on Twitter at Maria L. Canellis. I do have a Facebook. I pay no attention to it whatsoever. Um, I have a patron and I post uh, photos on there. So if you want to see that side of me, that's there. And I have a website, um, which is Maria, official Maria Canellis. So all kinds of things there. But the most important t- thing to me right now is building this women's division. So everything else is kind of getting the back burner. Wow. You cover it all. Thank Did I? So I, don't, I don't know. I, there's got to be something else. Uh, I like ice cream. <laughs> well, the key is you're doing a lot of great things and really looking forward to everything that's coming from you and Mike. Can't leave Mike out of that in the near future. So just keep on keeping yeah, on. Yeah, uh, pay attention to Mike. He's like fierce right now. Into he is, I'm so busy that he's like occupying his time with becoming the greatest pure wrestler of all time. It's It's insanity. Um, and being in the best shape of his life. We used to fight over ab competitions every year. I got pregnant. I've lost ever since. That man is like, oh, you're pregnant? I'm going to get in the best shape of my life. I was like, I have one big round ab, and he has like 20. Yeah, it's great. You two set the bar really high. I think that's what we can learn from this. (laughs) But more importantly, that your first big break quote unquote, is never the true big break. And you can have a career if you take all those no's and getting fired and realizing you weren't meant to be in one place and it's all a long-term journey. So projecting all that Marianness onto the world can make the world a better place, right? I always think to myself, I was fired by three billionaires within like a month and a half. Vince McMahon, <laughs> Donald Trump, and then Mark Cuban. I don't really, I, I guess I wasn't really fired by Mark Cuban, but like my position was, uh, the show was gone. So I lost my job there too. So we'll just say fired. Um, and that was how many years ago now? 11 years ago. I'm still alive. Yay. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's crazy. All that stuff that happens and you think it's the worst thing ever. Um, it's not. Can't top that. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Keep it Thank up. You. Thank you very much. You have Thanks a great you. day. Darren, your line is live. Thanks for having me. Sergio, Juan, quick question for both of you. What would you say, besides having this great upcoming fight, is your biggest career accomplishment within the MMA world? What do you want first? <laughs> you go. I guess I'll go first. Yeah, I'll go first, man. I would say uh, my biggest accomplishment uh, would be fighting, uh, getting a win over Joseph Benavides. You know, he's a guy that I looked up to a lot, um, a guy that I trained with when I was 17, and he, uh, he was piecing me up at that time. So, to uh, you know, go out there and uh, make that weight at 125, which is a, a tough weight cut, and to go out there and uh, learn the discipline and learn how how much you know shine that I have to myself that I didn't know I had, and that was definitely uh, one of the bigger accomplishments of my career. For myself, Darren, I mean, the biggest impact I've had in my career is seeing how much impact I've had in the young MMA crowd and the and and just young teenagers in general. It's just to be able to see that a guy that comes from pretty much nowhere come out and win a world championship in a big organization like Bellator uh, has had a huge impact on their lives. And, you know, it makes you emotional thinking about it, even talking to these guys and, um, you know, to, to see that they want to further their 
uh, future in MMA has been a huge milestone in my career. Hey, Sam, can you hear me okay? Dan, good to see you again. How are you? Fine, yourself there. Awesome. Look at that sweet art collection you have. <laughs> you say art collection. I say 8x10s that I hoarded that my wife let me put up, whichever you so want to say it. What, with that big line of 8x10s on the right, like on, I guess, your left upper shoulder, what are those? Uh, when you used to do an interview with somebody or you were reviewing an album or something like that, they would mm -hmm. send you the photo of the person because, hey, there wasn't JPEGs and, and yeah. GIFs and all that. So here you go. I never threw them out. So I had hundreds and hundreds of those. And when we were moving, my wife said, why don't we put them on the wall? Like, no. And she was willing to do it. And yeah. there's David Lee Roth and <laughs> Little Richard and all that weird stuff there. And you got to interview every single one of them? Unfortunately, I'm about half yeah. on there. Uh, Wayne Newton's in the top rack. There's a 50% chance that's happening. You, you know, you got to get your legends while you still can, you know? Right, right. Uh, that's fantastic. Good, 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 good. Well, thanks for making time to chat today. Thanks for doing this. I've been familiar with your brand since before I was of legal drinking age, allegedly. All right. It's great to see that it's growing and growing and growing. But going back to the roots of the brand, I grew up a huge fan of the state. And ah, the fact that you my old roommates. Joe and Ken like that. Yeah. When you started doing the home batch brewing in the mid-90s, craft yep. brewing was not normal. It was not conventional. Did they right. think you were the weirdest guy on the planet for wanting to do that? Yeah, we were all living together. One or no, we were on twenty sixth and seventh Ave. And when I say all, it was Ken Marino and this other dude who was not in the state were my roommates. But we had for a third floor walk up, and it was huge for that era. And Chelsea was not cool back then. Right. And so that's where the Joe Latruglio and uh, Tom Lennon and all those guys carry. They would come and practice there, and then we drink, and then. I started homebrewing. So the first time I ever did a batch of homebrew, they were all there. And they were actually like, holy Sam, this is good. You should do this for a living. And so they were actually the ones that really inspired me. And we're, we're, we can't find uh, the video, um, but they, they stole an MTV van and all the AV equipment from MTV and came down here, helped me paint the inside of the brewery two weeks before we opened and shot like videos for the local TV uh, channel with me. And I, I, I have the tape somewhere, but I'd love to find those videos of those guys in the ads, you know, 26 years ago. Wow. And <laughs> since then, you know, for anybody that's reading or hearing or anything like this, not everybody realizes that members of the comedy troupe, the state have written some of the biggest movies ever appeared in stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So you were in on the ground floor of all that. But yeah. around what year did you find craft beer to be something that was sustainable? that was going to be okay, that was going to be kind of a career? Um, I would say, um, you know, we opened in 1995 and we were literally the smallest commercial brewery in America. We opened making 12 gallon batches in a converted home brewing setup in the corner of the restaurant. And we, Mariah and I, my wife and I were not sure if we we're going to go out of business or not for about four years straight. Wow. <laughs> so we opened two years and at, we were only open two years when we built a bigger brewing system and started bottling distributing, but we still were not financially strong. And then at about, and we used to get made fun of, you know, we'd go to beer festivals in the late nineties and people like, why'd you put apricots in an IPA? Why'd you put coffee in a stout? That's disrespectful to brewing traditions. Yeah. So it was around 99 or 2000 
that we had like articles come out in Food and Wine and People Magazine and and trade publications where people started standing up for us and saying actually what Dogfish Head's doing is really creative and harkens back to uh, you know the pre-industrial era of brewing when different cultures around the world use different ingredients in beer. And so right at that moment where we got accolades, especially for Midas Touch and 90 Minute, the original continually hopped IPA. Yeah. Uh, well, it's really the first imperial IPA in the world. Um, th- those two things, Midas Touch and 90 Minute came out like the same month. And that was like 99 or 2000. And that's when our trajectory really started going like this. And we were like, finally started being able to uh, put some money in the bank and, and be confident we weren't going to go out of business. Outrocast. <laughs>